T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Mike's on. He's ready to go. On the fan. All right, we welcome in the fan on a Tuesday evening. The program brought to you, as always, by the good folks at Casamigos Tequila. Casamigos Tequila brought to you, brought to you by those who drink it, and they bring you the program each and every night. And let me remind you that tonight at 7, after we finished and then Steve's on 6.30, uh, John and Susan and Joe Castiglione have a, a special show uh, from the River Spring Health in, from River Spring Health in uh, Riverdale, in the Bronx, a Yankees Red Sox hot stove show coming up. It's on the fan tonight at seven o'clock. So you get to hear Susan and John and Joe do the show seven o'clock this evening. Uh, they wanted me to remind you guys of that. So that comes your way tonight. So uh, on this February evening, as spring training uh, gets underway, uh, you can think a little baseball, and it'll you know. Warm your heart to hear uh, some baseball this evening as the Yankees uh, and the Red Sox and all their fans uh, get together and uh, chat about things this evening. Now, uh, the Mets open today, and again, I can't wait to see how they spent $57 million on that place, which they did. Uh, so I've got to get over there and look at that, uh, which I will, but uh, see exactly what they uh, put together for 57 It just sounds like a lot of money for that place. It just does, but hey, whatever. Uh, their manager, who I thought was kind of reticent when I heard him at the press conference. Now, he spoke today. Let's listen. First, about Cespedes. The performance staff is working on on his progression, and, uh, you know, we're, we're going from there. So opening day hasn't been ruled out yet? We don't, we, don't, we don't know. I mean, there's no timeline yet. Once I get it, I will, you know, happy share it with you guys. We don't have a timeline. So, Ces, you know, he's running, he's hitting. Um, I've had conversations with him. So, but we don't have the timeline yet. You know, it's good. And of course, uh, Luis Rojas, the new Met manager, his, he's known to be a guy who can handle players. You know, he's from a baseball family, as you know. He's the son of uh, Felipe Alou, who was a classy baseball man as a player and a manager. Um, so, you know, he comes from a good baseball family. They say he handles people well, players well. He's got a tricky thing there, though. Cespedes is the kind of guy who has an impact on a team. Now, the leader of that team is clearly Cano. That's, that's, that's his role. That's kind of, he morphed into that. And Alonzo, yes, too, as a young guy, a young star, but it's really Cano. And DeGrom, obviously, from the pitching standpoint, uh, but Cespedes is the kind of guy who has an impact if he's there. 
And if he's happy, it's one team. And if he's not happy, it's another team. And that's, that's kind of tricky for a first-year manager to handle all that and handle playing time and ups and downs and when those guys are healthy and not healthy and how he handles. And I don't think Cano will be an issue. I think Robbie would be a positive, not a negative. I think Cespedes could be a positive or a negative. But how he handles these guys in terms of their moods and in terms of their playing time is going to be very interesting because it will impact this team, as obviously will the bullpen, we know. But uh, here it is on what kind of team he thinks he has. We feel that we're built to win. I mean, we have a great roster. We have great position players with versatility. We have a great um, starting rotation or, or pitchers that, you know, that have the starting uh, starting history, Cy Youngs, World Series winners, uh, and an and, and a bullpen with a lot of guys that have you know history of saving games. Um, might be overdoing it a bit. Now he didn't go the Brody way and guarantee anything. Um, they have a good roster. They have a good lineup. They don't have a great lineup. They, you know the Yankees have a great team. The, these guys have a good team. It could be a very good team. They have starting pitching, no question. They have a decorated players. You have a first baseman who just comes off an incredible season. You have DeGrom, who has been the dominant pitcher in the sport the last two years. Uh, You obviously have talent in the rotation. You have some... A grant some versatility in the lineup. It's a tricky lineup, though. What's Cespedes' role? What's Cano's role? What Dave, what's Davis's role? Does McNeil have one position? Does he have more than one position? All this is going to be a little tricky. And then, of course, you come to the most important part. is They're going to have to lead a lot of nights after seven innings. And their starter is going to leave the game. And what happens from there is going to decide their season as it always will. They're going to leave. They're going to have a lot of games where they're going to have a lead or they're going to be tied in the sixth and seventh inning of the game and they're going to go to the bullpen. And they have the, they have a incredibly talented player in Batances. They have a guy who was sensational until he got here last year and he blew up. Diaz, and then you have the Slim Down Familia and a couple other pieces in the pen, but and you have Lugo too, who I like. So there's the makings of a good pen there. But there's a lot of pieces that are going to be very interesting to see how they fit with this team. Let me skip to the uh, to the Giants who really got good news today. I don't know how much uh, the talk there's been of that. I didn't hear anything, didn't hear the station at all today. But they got good news today. And the good news was that Tua has been cleared, that he has healed. So from what we can tell, everything we just heard, that you heard, I'm sure you saw those reports this morning, everything that we heard about Tua places him now back at the top of the draft where he is worthy of being selected. Now, that means you know who's going off the board one, 
you know who's going off the board too. Those next picks become very valuable because there are going to be people looking to trade right in after two for Tua. There are going to be teams looking to get in there and get this player. So how that unfolds, the Giants don't need a quarterback, but they can be in the market of maybe being able to make a trade and pick up some valuable slots and some players and some picks uh, in that they can help facilitate something. They're right there. They're right in the middle of the action. And the action can happen right there. And now he's to the point where if he, with the report they gave today, which was very positive about how he's healed, I think moves him back into this. Like, I always thought he was going to go at five anyway. I thought somebody would take him. I, I thought either the Dolphins would move on him at five or somebody would move in and, and move on him right around there. I think it can happen even earlier than that now because he's that good. If he's healthy, he has a chance to be a great, great quarterback. It's one of the most accurate college passes I've ever seen. Um, is he injury prone? Incredibly injury prone. Would you be worried about that? You'd have to be nuts not to be worried about it. He's had major injuries. The guy hasn't even played a full season without being hurt. He's been hurt. He got, this is a guy, his first play was to come in at halftime of a national championship game with his team down and lead him to victory. That was his first game. Now, no one's ever going to have a better first game. I mean, here's a guy who didn't play all year and then comes off the bench and wins the national championship for his team from behind with an incredible second half, which obviously made him a star. And then he went on and put forth an incredible season until he got hurt late in the season. And then another incredible season where he got hurt late in the season and then had another injury on top of that. So he's had four injuries, knee, ankle, ankle, hip, in two seasons. But he has an incredible amount of ability. It's an interesting dilemma. Back after this. Get used to hearing those uh, Bloomberg commercials on TV and radio because you're going to be hearing them all day and night. Because, first of all, politically has come at a cheaper rate. And secondly, he's got more money than virtually anybody in the world. So he can buy as many commercials as he wants. And he wants to buy a lot of them everywhere. And he is basically just overloading every one of this, every, every, everywhere where there's going to be a primary. He is going to overload these, the uh, marketplace with commercials. So expect to hear it. Every, you've already seen them. Uh, they've done some, and he's got some really well done TV commercials. I mean, that are very, I mean, listen, he's got top people, but they're very well done. Um, I think there is now three teams that Tom Brady is not rumored to be going to. So I think it's gotten a little silly. I, uh, Tom Brady to the Raiders. Oh, really? Uh, Tom Brady to the Cowboys. Got it. Okay. To the Cowboys now. Um, there are a few teams that make some sense. I think Tom Brady still to the Patriots is the most logical. Um, I think it will be hard for the Pats to part with him. I understand he wants to get paid. I think there is a chance that they will part with him. 
But I think the teams that he would go to, if you understand Brady and his comfort level on things, he I do not think he would go into the unknown. I think he would only go into a scenario where he feels very comfortable. That will, in my mind, give Vrabel a very, very big leg up because he understands Vrabel's one of his best friends. That running back takes all the pressure off him from a standpoint that he knows he's not going to get hit a lot running that offense. He could very he could handle that and 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 run that very very efficiently, and not take a beating, which is something he does not want to do. He does not want to go somewhere and take a beating. Um, so. I understand the glamour idea of it. Tom goes to the Chargers to sell tickets, goes home to sell tickets. I understand it. I don't think the team's good enough. Goes to Vegas to sell tickets. Don't see it. Goes to the Cowboys to unite under McCarthy because of what's going on with, with Dak. Much more logical they much more logical that they threaten the franchise Dak, which brings them to the table, which gets the deal done, which is what I... I and Jerry usually gets the deals with his player that he wants, so I, I still think that's illogical. I think um, the most logical are twofold. One is Tennessee. The other is the charges, and that is more about, I think, future than it is about present. Because I think... That would mean that he uh, will have some kind of stake in that team going forward, some kind of role, some kind of stake, uh, some, so, something to do with the overall, uh, uh, if not running, the overall ownership of that franchise going forward. So I, I would think that would lead him. That that would be the reason he would go to the Chargers. Uh, as he would be invaluable to them in terms of giving them some credibility as a second tenant in a city where they uh, don't have any standing selling tickets in a city where it's tough to sell tickets for football to begin with, uh, and now you're doing it as a second-class citizen. He elevates all of that and makes, makes makes it so much better for them on so many levels. So his value there is incredible, as far as presence off the field is incredible there. And otherwise, I think the other part is the comfort level he would clearly have with Vrabel, who's one of his best friends, and the idea that he would be in an offense where he could react and play action off a, off a running game that would really keep him from getting hit at all. He would love throwing into that. That offense with him running it would be very efficient. And they have a good team. And Vrabel's a good coach, and Vrabel and he are very close. And if it's about any any let's show Bill Belichick stuff, well, they would they could team up and do it together. So I mean, I think I think it's still one New England, two Tennessee, three Chargers. The way I would see it, I don't buy into the Cowboy stuff at all. I understand you're going to give me a reason. You're going to give me the DAC is push the Cowboys to the limit. He could miss the whole uh, offseason, blah, blah, blah. You know, Jerry wants to win one more. I understand all the premises of it. Uh, I just don't see it. I just don't see it. I think Tom likes structure. I don't think Tom likes circus. 
Cowboy's a circus. I don't think Tom likes circus. I think he likes structure. That's why I think he liked Tennessee, because of structure. I think Tom knows structure. Tom appreciates structure. Tom wants players around him who listen. He wants players around him that get it. He wants, wants a culture around him that he's used to. That's what he would get with Vrabel. But I still think it's more New England than anything else. Um, this baseball thing that you've probably spent a lot of time on today, I don't like the... I was very pro the second wild card. Extremely so. They needed to be able to keep those cities involved and not turn everything back after Labor Day with a runaway winner, turn all those cities back into NFL cities for a month where the NFL just took over. So I like the idea of the wild card, the way it's set up now. I think baseball's format right now works well. I think it's positive. I think it has worked well. I think it's been very successful. It has been. The playoff games have been dramatic. I think that has worked well. Uh, I think they are panicking, and I think their expansion idea will be crippling to their regular season. Absolutely crippling. I don't like it. The reality show is cheap, and it's, it's not how you treat your regular season. To add the idea of, hey, let's go pick who we're going to play against. I mean, that's not the idea of sports. That's not what sports, that's not how it's set up. I, 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 that's almost game showish. That cheapens the sport. And I'm telling you, you cannot have 162 games and not devalue the regular season by adding that many postseason teams to the, to the mix. You're going to have bad teams involved, you're going to have mediocre teams involved, and that's not the premise. The idea in baseball is to separate teams with the regular season. It's to separate uh, teams. Okay, so from that standpoint. That is the idea. If you don't do it that way, it's not going to work. Um... I think that to add as many teams as they're talking about would so cheap in the regular season. And there's no way around it. I mean, listen, the others, we live in a postseason world now. That's the, that's the world we live in. That's the world we, that has been created in modern times. Uh, postseason is everything. Regular season is nothing. We only consider people winners of what they do in the postseason. If you don't live in the postseason, then you don't exist. Which is, as an example, is part of Trout's problem. You know, Jeter's legacy has been enhanced by the fact that he lived in the postseason. So his whole career was theatrical. And there was meaning to it. It was a payoff every year. That has happened. And the other sports, obviously... They worry about devaluing their regular season. They, they try to put some meaning in their regular season, especially in the NBA where it's a big problem, and especially since players now treat the regular season as nothing more than a way station. With the amount of rest that has been incorporated in because of the way analytics looks at rest. Now, analytical studies are very, very pro-rest, as you've probably figured out by now. So... The idea of that, 
has lent itself to even devaluing the post the regular season even more. You've seen it where in the NCAA tournament, I mean, think about it. College is starting in November. The NCAA tournament is three weeks in March. You can erase. You could go 30-1. and one. You could be San Diego State this year. You could be uh, Dayton this year. You could be uh, Baylor this year and have an insane regular season and then lose in the, to an 8-9 team on the first weekend, and you will be ridiculed across the country. Your regular season will be looked at as nothing but a farce. You will be completely ridiculed because you did not do what you were supposed to do, which was stand up as a one seed and win the amount of games that's requisite with being a one seed. Because what you would do in the regular season, despite the fact you went undefeated, let's say, as San Diego State is right now, we'll see if they make it to the finish line undefeated in the regular season. They are undefeated right now. But the point is that there's nothing that will be considered a value from that regular season. Okay, the perfect example of that is Villanova and Jay Wright. I mean, I sat here for years, and fans were calling up asking that he should be fired because they weren't getting out of the second round in the NCAA tournament, despite the fact they were winning 30 games at a school where if he left, they'd be lucky to win 15 or 16. Nobody gave that any thought. Nobody gave the regular season any thought. Nobody gave the Big East tournament any thought. They do. He does. The team does. But nobody does because they look at it now as being an all-or-nothing sport where it's about what you do in the postseason. It's about what you do in March. That is where you either win or lose. And the same is true in the NBA, and the same is true now everywhere. I mean, if you go and lose the Super Bowl, that's it. It doesn't matter what you did in the regular season. Is anybody going to remember what Baltimore did in the regular season this year? Is anyone going to say, boy, Baltimore really had a wonderful season? No, no one cares. What they care about is the fact that they got beat by Tennessee in the postseason. That's what they care about. That's all they remember now. They don't care about anything else. And that's, that's how this has been done. That's, that's why rings and championships and postseason play and you know, performances in those games is what decides fates and decides you know, legacies and everything else. And that's the world we live in. And baseball is going to enter that quickly. But when you play 162 games and you've always put such a premium on your regular season, to do this is very dangerous in baseball because you will completely devalue your regular season. And baseball doesn't want to do that. They want to have their cake and eat it too. It's very difficult to do. The program, once again, brought to you by the good folks at Casamigos Tequila. Casamigos brought to you by those who drink it. Remember, coming up at 7 after Steve at 6.30 is uh, John Susan and Joe Castiglione uh, with their hot stove baseball tonight. Their Yankee Red Sox special, so check that out tonight on the fan at 7 o'clock. We'll see you tomorrow. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. 